Hey, Mason, I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Ooh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because MuggleCast is amazing. This is MuggleCast episode 138 for March 25th, 2008. All right, we're coming off our big interview this week with uh, Jim Dale. Big success, right, Micah? Yeah, it was a really good interview. And I'll, I, I'm just going to bet and say that um, best interview ever with an audiobook narrator after Deathly Hallows. It's, it's a safe bet. Hands wow. down. I'm going to bet, and I'm going to say that we'll be using that intro on all of our shows from now on. It was a lot of fun. We're getting a lot of good feedback <laughs> from it. Uh, so, great success. Good <laughs> job. Yeah. Uh, but hey, we got a we got another big show this week, so uh, I don't think we should waste any time. Also, because I'm out of jokes, so uh, we got we got some rebuttals, we got some voicemails, we got some muggle meal and make the connection, all all the good stuff. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Micah B. MuggleCast special guest news anchor Ash Jackson is in the MuggleCast News Center with last week's top Harry Potter news stories. Hey, Ash. Thanks, and welcome to the MuggleCast News for March 25th, 2008. We've got interviews, curses, and movies cut in half. If the weekly Harry Potter news is a roller coaster, this week is the part where you're roaring downhill at a mile a minute, screaming at the top of your lungs. I'm Ash Jackson. Let's get to it. An interview with J.K. Rowling was recently published by an Edinburgh student newspaper. The interview, however, was much more like a friendly conversation. The subject of the interview flows freely from discussing the strong support and dissent that Joe has received over the years as a result of writing her Harry Potter books to the future life beyond the series. All the while, however, it's evident that Joe is still as down-to-earth as any world-famous person can be. In the interview, she jokes that Dumbledore's sexuality is a non-issue because, as she says, 
It's Dumbledore, for God's sake. There are 20 things that are relevant to the story before his sexuality. Later, while discussing her current and future writing projects, Jo exclaims that though it is not currently on her schedule, she has always wanted to write a novel about a stand-up comedian. The full text of the interview can be found on the MuggleNet website. And lastly, from the AustralianNews.com, the suggestion that the sixth film is cursed. Citing storm damage to movie sets, death threats from stalkers, and hijinks in Surrey involving special effects fog and streakers, the article suggests that the actors feel the movie has been jinxed, though no direct sources are provided. This is Ash Jackson, thanking you for the chance to present the Harry Potter news for the week of March 25th, 2008. And now, back to your regularly scheduled MuggleCast. Alright, great job, Ash. You're welcome. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Dude, step it on You didn't do that again. in rehearsal. Oh, my God. You're that wasn't funny. planned. <laughs> Mikey, you're going to have to uh, get back into the swing of things. It's been like, it's going to be like a month. Yeah, it's going to be quite a while since I've done the news. You started it off, right? I think a couple episodes I ago. I did it because you were being lazy one night and didn't want to do it when I needed it. And That's your take that, on it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think Micah has a completely different side of the story, Andrew. Yeah, that involved work, but hey, you know, Andrew's sounds I a little bit better. I was working, <laughs> yeah. but I had time to record it. Yeah, you did. But I figured, you know, after how many consecutive weeks of doing the news, I could let Andrew uh, give it a shot. Oh, thanks. You're so nice. It was fun, though. I, I had fun imitating, doing a cheap impersonation of you. Yeah. Yeah. See, I call it cheap because if I say an impersonation, people will say that that was the worst impression ever. But um, it was good. It came close to being the worst ever. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think I do a worse one, so I give up. Ben is pretty good. Didn't he do it once? Ben does or every... twice or three hundred times. Ben always. What what people don't know is when we do the recorded shows. When Ben used to come on the recorded shows. When I used to say, all right, thanks, 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 Micah. Oh, no, 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 no. Whenever I introed you, I would go, and now Micah Tannenbaum with the news. Ben would always go, thanks, Andrew. <laughs> and uh, But I would always cut and it I out. I was expecting course, on the live show, too. I thought he was going to throw it in there, but he didn't. He didn't, no. If I introed the news, I'm sure it would have happened. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to some news. Um, only one thing we wanted to really talk about this week. New interview with David Heyman on the uh, split. This actually came out right after our live show, um, and this was with Empire Online, I believe. A nice lengthy interview with David Heyman. They're really opening up. Um, I guess they, I guess they just want a lot of press for this. But did you guys read this interview? It had some uh, interesting information in it. Uh, yeah, no, I just actually read it um, right before we, uh, you know, started, started recording. I remember recording. Something about this last week, right? I mean, yeah, the, re- the uh, lost crazy? episode of MuggleCast. Yeah. No, no, the lost episode of MuggleCast, but we'll pretend like uh, we didn't do that. Oh, okay. Um, one interesting question asked to David was Did you get as far as trying to put a script together that would get everything into one film, or did it become obvious in discussions that it would work? And David Heyman's answer, answer, which is very interesting, is No, it all came down to discussions. We just thought, How are we going to approach this? Is this going to be a four and a half hour film? That's probably what it would have, what it would have been. Really? Really? And David goes on to say that um the the one of their main concerns was children losing the interest of children. And I guess that makes sense, right? You don't want to lose the interest of kids, but would they actually have made a four and a half hour 
film all in one? I question like, that, but again, it was in such preliminary discussion that no, they weren't going to because when it came time to really make the decision, they decided to split it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with Eric on that, but truthfully, if they were making a four and a half hour film, it would have been cut down to three hours maximum. Yeah, I really don't think that... Yeah. yeah. And in editing, and truthfully, you know, I have mixed feelings about the split. Um, one, I'm kind of excited at the same that they're going to tell the story a little bit, I feel a little bit more time on it like they should for, you know, like Order of the Phoenix, biggest book, shortest movie. But at the same time, it's kind of, it's going to be, it's going to be the odd movie out. Like, you know, if you watch all the movies, they all have a pacing. And I'm wondering if what they're going to do with the movie to really like, are they going to flesh stuff out that they would, you know, are they still going to cut the same amount of stuff and just kind of flesh certain things out? Yeah. Um, but I- I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. It's interesting. We'll see. David, yeah. I'm excited. David also reiterates that um, they they want it to be two separate films. You know, each contain two separate plots. And uh, actually, in uh, Muggle Mail this week, we do have a couple interesting ideas. Actually, just one interesting idea. And I think there might be one voicemail about it. But another question David asks is, um, or he he's asked is, um. Obviously, there are people who will think that the decision to make two films is driven by a desire to make twice as much money. What do you say to that? And clearly, I think they're already sort of getting fed up with this question. Um, Heyman says, the process went like this. The studio said to us, the filmmakers, you decide what is best for the story. Alan Horn, the president of Warner Brothers, and Jeff Robinov, uh, Warner Brothers head of production, particularly Alan Horn, are complete Potter fans. He loves the franchise, loves the books, loves the films, and appreciates their importance to Warner Brothers on many levels. Money! But above all else, he is a fan, and he said he did not want to compromise the creative integrity of the films. He wants to end the series in the right way. He's been very generous in the resources they're given, but also in the freedom they've given us on each film. He very clearly said that Steve Clovis, myself, David Yates, should make the decision, and he would support that. I don't know. So, so what this is basically saying was the decision to split it into two films didn't come from high up. He said, you decide, well, I, maybe this isn't a definitive explanation, but what he did say was, you decide what is best for the story. What do you guys think about this? I mean, Well, they're not going to say, yes, we're going to love how much money we're going to get out of Milgan, you know. But I think that it was really generous of him to have explained a little bit of the process that, you know, this is, um, I think it's kind of irrelevant. If if they are even happy about how much extra money you know that they're going to get out of it, I think it would be the right thing to do. Maybe it would have been the right thing to do a few movies ago too, but you know, needless to say, they're doing it now. And I think the the uh, Warner Brothers guy, the, you know, he says that the people high up uh, really appreciate the contribution that Harry Potter makes to the series. To me, that sounds kind of like a money thing. And. Uh, <laughs> And so that, you know, kind of think that, uh, that kind of... <laughs> okay. Be, uh... I really think it's all about money. I don't. No? Why not, Mikey? Well, again, like, the first part, it's like, it came down to discussions, you know. It, it, when they approach the film, like, again, I'm sure they have approached every film this way. When you flesh it out, it's probably, you know, like, the books are pretty hefty books. Except for maybe, like, the first two, or maybe the first three after that. They're pretty big in the sense of, like, you can get a pretty long film out of it. Andrew, you going to keep with the music, really? I'm not convinced. 
Okay. But uh, but really, you know, know, I could see it's now it's like Harry Potter as a film, as a series, has it earned its dues. Basically, they can do whatever. Like the filmmakers kind of much have the pull to go. You know, we can do whatever we want for the last two. Um, and, and you know, and the Warner Brothers is going to back them on it. And truthfully, you know, I can believe it where it said, you know, Jeff Robinant, it was saying, you know, hey, let's go ahead and give the fans, you know, because remember, we've, I've met, you know, you know, um, David Heyman, and so have you, Andrew, and he seems like a really down-to-earth person. No, you know, no, he's, no, yeah. You know, he's gone to MuggleNet, he's, you know what I mean, it's like, he, I would say he's very in touch with what the fans want, and truthfully, one of the biggest complaints with all the films, which we've always complained about, is it's not true enough to the book. I, and, I, I do agree with that. And again, but, um, when they're, when they're discussing it in this discussion process, like, if they want to do the last book, like, think about how much, you know... Yes, every Potter book we've always kind of put emphasis on, and you know, I you know I wasn't part of you guys when you know Deathly or Half Blood Prince came out, but like Deathly Hollows, we put so much emphasis on it, and that's because one, it was the last one. Yeah, that's the same thing for them when it comes to movie making. It's a, but it's you know it's a couple years later, but they, you have to go go okay. Well, the fans really wanted you know they put so much effort into reading the series all the way through. Younger kids are into it, adults are into it. They're all their complaints are always about the book, you know, the movies don't follow the books close enough. If we're trying to do the last film right for them so that they have something to go out on that they're happy with, that they can I treasure. I do agree with that. It's I do too agree long. with that. And so it makes sense they're doing two, two, you know, two separate movies. What I do like is that they're just kind of like some other movies that are released. They're releasing them relatively close to each, close to each other. They're like, what, six months apart is what they said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's six, six months, months apart. Different. So this is what's going to happen. The second, the first film is not going to be out on DVD yet. It, you know, yes, no, no, it, it will, it will. They, they, didn't we read somewhere that they are going to do that? Are they going to release it on DVD? I because six well, months could be the life of a film in the theater. Yeah. See, we right, we did discuss this um, in, on the hidden, uh, on the live show on the live show. But I'm trying to remember, Micah, was there some some sort of confirmation or? Was it? Yeah, I thought we or, remember. Uh, I thought I remember us talking about the fact that they were going to release the first DVD. We did before That's what we talked about the second movie came out. I, but see, it would make sense that they do that. I mean, why wouldn't they? Like, well, you know, there's take numbers advantage of the Easter, uh, you know, season. <laughs> you know, when kid, uh, parents give their kids gifts, and I guess it would be too close to the holiday. You wouldn't be able to get it out for Christmas. I just think that. They know if they put out the first one, it'll sell like crazy. They know if they put out the second one alone, it'll sell like crazy. They know if they put them together, it would sell like crazy. <laughs> so no, if you do all three, they're gonna sell like crazy three times. But and then and then along comes the the complete collection, all eight movies exactly. together. There's and, another thing. And I wanted to go so. back to it, what Mike was saying <laughs> before <laughs> about David Heyman. I don't really think it's about David Heyman. And no, it's, it's not. It's yeah. about Alan Horn and it's about Jeff Robinov, uh, you know, And all the higher-ups. All the higher-ups. At the end of the day, unfortunately, as much as they like Harry Potter, it's about how much money are they bringing in. And people oh, no. who, I, I agree. who are arguing the fact that, you know, oh, Deathly Hollows, if it's going to be a three-hour movie, we're not going to get everything into it, are the same people who are now turning around and arguing that, well, they split the film into two because they want to make more money. So it's kind of like a no-win situation for some of these people out there. You can't make the argument both ways. Either you're going to suck it up and deal with a three-hour movie 
and you know not be upset that you only had to pay once to go to the theaters or you're just going to have to deal with the fact that you're going to have to pay twice to go and know that as a Harry Potter fan you're going to get almost everything you know in these two films right and yeah, yeah. I'll exactly. tell you what Warner Brothers was gloating months ago that the Harry Potter series was the top-earning franchise of all time. I'm sure this eighth movie that 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 could have played a little role. They want a little extra buffer to to hang on to that well, uh, most uh, uh, money uh, franchise oh, thing. What for quarterly? They they want to have at least one more quarter of of profit. You know, right for Harry Potter. Yeah. That's that's icing on the cake. Think a whole additional movie that's yeah. gonna. Eight movies, like Bond, will never beat them ever. Yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> Bond held the previous record for anyone who doesn't know. You know, it's just yeah, but no, but I agree. And but truthfully, you know, I can see where it came down to the the people up above said, "All right, it, the books were seven books. We knew it going into seven, and truthfully, if the filmmakers wanted, you know, we would. I'm sure there was no pressure to split it into two. And I'm taking that with a very grain of salt. I don't I think it was either. I, I would agree. I, with I, but that. I've said, but they may have suggested. Do you guys want to split it to give it, you know, longer like you guys want? We'll give you, you know, I've been looking at the budget. The budget for each Harry Potter movie it started out at 125 million dollars to 150 million. Their budget hasn't gone much up. They threw, you know, a lot of money into this from the very beginning. And truthfully, I mean, there's only I so much see... you can use though at the same time. I mean, if they yeah. up the budget, what are they going to do with the money? You know, well, no, but it comes. Special it comes effects with, cost so much. Well, special effects cost a lot of money. Plus, advertising still costs a lot. Of oh, money. they don't need advertising for this film. The funny thing is, they don't, but they invest in it like crazy. So well, they're going to have. What to. I'm thinking is, if they were going to do one movie and it was really long, and you know, they would be spending that much more money to have that many more shooting days to shoot all the scenes that aren't going to get cut because they're not breaking it down into a two and a half hour movie. So they're spending all this money on the locations and the shots and doing everything anyway, making this long movie. They're not going to see the turnaround then in ticket sales because you know because they'll you know people will only have one movie to go to see if they break it into two movies a brilliant idea and not just this is this will make them greedy but you know a good idea then would would be to supplement all these extra days of shooting by making it two movies and that kind of rewards everyone one thing that is interesting that i didn't i didn't really think about was that you need creature and dobby in this movie and we've heard in the past that uh house elves are very expensive to create i mean for obvious reasons like mikey was saying all the all the, the additional work man hours you need to create these made-up characters so, uh, yeah, I imagine the budget would have to go up a little bit considering you got to invest some money in, in Dobby. And, and and the big dragon and the dragon they're all riding on. Right, you know, there's, right. And, and goblins and, you know, yes, goblins are actors, but a lot of it is still CG. There's so yeah. much. And don't forget the end scene, too. I mean, you have house elves yeah. in that final scene in the battle against Voldemort. So. It's not just creatures. And a giant attacking yeah. the castle. Yeah. Multiple Don't giants. Don't about That's that expensive. either. Well, multiple, right? So I mean, let's let's movie, move on. This is, yeah, but again, guys. this movie's got a lot of stuff, and I'm glad they're giving it the amount of time and money it deserves to actually do the story properly. Mm-hmm. Eric, final word on this? Sorry, my brain's turned to mush. <laughs> let's move yeah, let's on. Let's move on. Just one announcement this week. Just that we want to continue the encourage everyone to vote for us on podcast alley we've been owning the charts this month and uh i just want to encourage everyone you know just because it's MuggleCast march doesn't mean you you know you don't have to make us number one next month you know MuggleCast april no uh, I, I, thought was, May, I thought it was i thought it was i thought it was 
I thought it was Andrew April. You know, for you, we're doing oh, it for Andrew you. April. That's we're a good voting point. for then, Andrew April, and then Mikey Mikey May. May. Yeah. yeah, Mikey May. Yeah, don't so, forget so, to vote so. on Easter Eric, and then <laughs> which is this <laughs> <Wow>. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, this Sunday. Vote today. And Monday, Matt. You know, we, yeah, come Monday, on, Matt. Matt. <laughs> so vote every day. That's what we're trying to say. Uh, thanks everyone who's who's helping us out there. Uh, let's get into some muggle mail this week. Okay, first muggle mail comes from Emily, age 16, from Dallas, Texas. The subject is frustrated. Sup, muggle casters? Exclamation point, exclamation point, gee, don't sound too frustrated. Thanks for an awesome muggle cast last week, but there was one moment where I kind of wish I would knock some sense into you guys. There were definitely painted portraits in 1000 AD. Promise, no fingers crossed. I've been to tons of art museums in Europe, the Uffizi, the Louvre, and the London Institute. All have a medieval section where there are many paintings. Although most of these are not portraits, some are, so your point as to why the early Hogwarts founders weren't portrayed in paintings is kind of... Eh, wrong. <laughs> Joe made a boo-boo here, ladies and gents. Wow, that all sounded offensive. Sorry about that. Taking a course in art history makes me a teensy bit defensive when it comes to history and art. Anyways, peace and pickles. Emily, triple X. Um, I can't remember who said this last week, but uh, or I it, think this goes way back though. It was I think two this weeks is, ago. I think it was, and you were the only one there, or unless Mikey was. No, too. I was I there. I was there actually. No, yeah, yes, they've had artworks. You know, they've had artwork throughout history. You know, see, I agree with paintings. this girl. I, I think it's stupid that whoever was saying it, Mikey, was it you? No, it might it might have been me, but I I know what she's talking about. <laughs> it may have been. It hmm. may have been, and I'm gonna say you know I'm gonna say yes, it was me. I probably was but truthfully you know yes there's been art throughout history you can go back to cave paintings that are considered art and you know and replicas and remains of that but at the time period up to about you know 1400 painting really wasn't you know available to a lot of people in the sense that now you know yes there's definitely art museums throughout europe i've been to the louvre i've been to a lot of different places but it was very expensive and i remember I'm trying to remember what was it? Where did they talk about Hogwarts? They talked. To, someone talked about the beginning of Hogwarts, where it was like, well, well, the debate I mean, was somewhere. why the the question was it was a voicemail question. Why weren't there any founder? Why aren't there any painting paintings portraits of the founders? And I I think between I think Mikey, your example is makes enough sense. I thought our debate though was. You know what? Because the ma- uh, I think like Laura was saying because the magic was there, and I was like, "What? Of course the magic was there." It's like, yeah, they don't it's like learning the magic though. later. It's like, yeah, I'm sure they well, had I mean, paintings, but probably not like talking paintings. You know, well, dude, Eric, no, Micah, Mike, uh, sorry, Mikey. Um, so what confused. you're saying about it being not you know expensive and all that stuff? Um, it, no, it's these expensive. weren't just four average Joes. These were the four greatest witches and wizards of their time. I think it's a serious uh, question. It is the uh, it is the only school in England. As well, so if anybody gets art supplies, you know, if they're they're kind of running out of you know paint uh, in the entire country, I mean, Hogwarts would have it. Why is I, Hogwarts I, the only school in England? I mean, the only wizarding school is it? Oh, is it or school. is it? Well, at, remember at the time that they made it, this was the first time they were trying. They were the four, you know, the best, you know, the strongest wizards and witches in the land. You know, there are still lots and lots of people learning on their own with families. You know, I mean, you don't have to go to Hogwarts to become a wizard. I mean, you can be taught at home. Uh, the next one comes from Jessica Thompson, 21, of Reading, England, and uh, talking about Bob Hoskins. She says, hey, guys, I'm still loving the show. 
and will be very sorry to see the weekly podcast come to an end. Even though I think it's probably the right decision, I'll miss my MuggleCast Monday morning so much. Thanks for all the hard work that you've put in over the years. We all appreciate it and hope you've had as much fun making them as we have listening. Just thought that you might be interested to know that the interview with Bob Hoskins you refer to in episode 135 was an episode on BBC's Friday Night with Jonathan Ross. I don't remember the date it aired, but it was the same episode as his interview with Joe just before Deathly Hollows came out. It was absolutely hilarious and well worth a look. I watched it myself on YouTube just a few weeks ago, so I'm sure you'll still be able to find it out there somewhere. Keep up the great work, Jessica. Okay, good. Yay. Um, I, I had uh, At the live podcast in London, somebody had said that she saw an interview with Bob Hoskins that said there was a character in DH reserved for him in the movie because he was asked why he didn't portray any earlier roles. Anyway, this girl has given us the reference by which I can go find it on YouTube, uh, the interview with Bob Hoskins. We speculated so thanks, whether yeah. – yeah. It, it had been posted on Muggle that actually a, a little while back, and uh, there was that interaction between the two of them. I remember uh, watching it, and uh, I guess you guys had discussed on 135 who you thought he would play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Eric was suggesting that it would be... Um, Zeno. That he, he would play... Uh, Mr. Lovegood. Right, Mr. Lovegood. So Potentially. I don't know. Because so I always thought him as a Slughorn guy. Next email comes from Mary V, 14 of Missouri. She writes, I have a bit of a rebuttal for you. In last week's episode 135, one of you, I think it was Andrew, said that the ministry monitors almost everything in discussing the taboo on Voldemort's name. My rebuttal for all you is this. If the ministry can monitor spoken magical words, i.e. the taboo, then how come the ministry doesn't monitor unforgivable curses? And if the ministry does monitor them, how come they didn't respond when Voldemort used the Cruciatus curse on Harry in the graveyard in Goblet of Fire? Unforgivables performed by non-dark wizards during times when Voldemort is not in Power seems like a pretty serious offense, like in Azkaban. So it would make sense the ministry would want to monitor their use. Something doesn't seem to add up here. Love the show, Mary V. I think it's one of those things. It's like I made this example before. It's like it's all it's, it's like the question: Why don't you see them use the bathroom? It's just because, just because if they did, it it, it would. There's there's no proper explanation for it. It just it just can't happen. And in this example, he has to use the Cruciatus curse. There can't always be a consequence for everything Harry does. I just think there's no room in the plot. What do you guys think? Um, I think also, well, it would be kind of too late, wouldn't it? I mean, if you're monitoring yeah. who, you know, oh, there's a taboo on someone who cries. Yeah, if if you are trying to track someone who uses that unforgivable curse, you know, notably a B-A-M-F, you're not going to want to, you know, go to the scene of the crime as it happened unless you're, you know, I mean, I mean, the R's, I guess the R's could make their living like that. I mean, maybe, but um, I, I think I think you guys are right. It's just one of those things that's kind of, uh, you know, a moot point or a moot kind of concern uh, that they would yeah. do this because, yeah. And at, the, and at the same time, like, maybe they did track it. Again, there's so much of the story that we can't even follow. Maybe they did track it, but at the same time, that's when, you know, Dumbledore is saying that Voldemort's back. And, you know, again, it's politics. They turned a blind eye to all the signs and everything that was happening. So yep. it could have, they could have seen it, but they said, nope, uh, we didn't catch that. Micah? No, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said. I mean, you, you can also go, go earlier in this book when Moody, well, fake Moody slash Barty Crouch Jr. uses the unforgivable curses in the classroom. I mean, you know, five or six ors didn't pop up in Hogwarts because 
there were unforgivable curses that were being taught. Um, so I don't really think that it, it's something that, you know, okay, Voldemort's name is automatically said, and these people show up. It's not the same with the unforgivable curses where one is done and then automatically, you know, all these people are going to start popping up. I just, it just wouldn't make any sense. That doesn't mean that they can't trace them. And like you were saying before, they wouldn't be further investigated. But I don't think right when it happens, like Eric was saying, if this guy is some, you know, BAMF, you know, (laughs) they're not going to go chasing right after them and show up. You're right on the scene. I think they would do some investigative work. Next, next rebuttal from uh, Brandy, age 26 of Indiana. Hi, MuggleCast. Love the show. You guys are great. Just wanted to make a suggestion for the Deathly Hallows split. I think a nice place for the split would be right after meeting with Xenophilius Lovegood, but right before saying the name Voldemort and getting captured. That way they could end right after a large action sequence and then begin with the next movie right before another big action sequence, i.e. Malfoy Manor. Just a thought. Thanks. I like that a lot. I agree with it. I think, Andrew, you and I were talking about when we were thinking of which chapters to do for chapter by chapter this week, um, whether or not to do two or one. Um, I had suggested that, well, maybe we should only do one this week because it's kind of a long chapter, but it's also the chapter that precludes sort of the second half of the novel, as it were, because they've, at the end of it, at the end of the chapter, Deathly Hallows, they have said Voldemort, and there's people outside the tent. I think it's such a great kind of oh i mean it would be perfect for the movie split what do you guys think or even taking brandy's idea and just going a little further how about now that we already know that the taboo uh you know there is that taboo when you say voldemort what if they say voldemort and then it it just begins to transition into the next chapter but it doesn't exactly we just we hear them like suddenly coming after the trio or something like that would be a cliffhanger when you're like oh my god who's there for uh voldemort or who's there for the trio and What's going to happen? Well, yeah, I agree with that. Just probably what we're about to discuss, but I think it'd be really cool if, you know, like Harry starts saying the name Voldemort, you have Hermione scream, Harry, no, and then the scene just goes black. That would be like a great (sighs) ending to the first movie. Wasn't wasn't it? There's dialogue. There's like, come out, we know you're in there. You know, we're we're not a program. No, but I think it's, yeah, but I think it's better, you know, sort of hanging off of those words. I think it would be scarier if, if you did hear that little bit of dialogue Eric's talking about. Just to hear these very scary voices. What about if it went? What if it went black and then you heard those as the credits start to roll? That would yeah. be scary. Oh my go. god, I would cry. <laughs> no, there needs to be there needs to be a score when the credits roll. There needs to be. It's a Cloverfield style, no music or anything. <laughs> is, oh my gosh. But but you know what though? Like if it goes even the step further beyond that, like it could end like so many other movies where it's like. It ends on a down note. They got captured. You know, either way, you know, the book, this section, this area we were, we've been talking about and we're talking about today is the area they're probably going to split it because it's yeah. just kind of like it is the halfway point in like the storytelling. Yeah. And action. Well, David Heyman listens. So, I mean, he's just going to take our ideas. Come on, Big D. <laughs> Come on, Come David on, Heyman. Big D. His initials are Deathly Hollows. <laughs> huh. That's true. Come on, DH. Huh. Help us out here. Huh. But um all right, next email. Zach twenty of Philly. Dude Eric and I I like this guy. To that? Yeah, I no, I like this guy's point. This guy has a really great point. I loved your live show about Deathly Hollow Splits. Even though I'm a few episodes behind, I am still skipped ahead to hear I still skipped ahead to hear your thoughts on the splits. My comment is on the waiting period, not but not between part one and two, but between 
movie 6, and part 1 of movie 7. I originally believed Half-Blood Prince was coming out in November 2008 and The Deathly Hallows was scheduled for summer 2010, not November 2010, because ever since Chamber of Secrets, it's been 16 to 18 months in between movies, not a full two years. Well, over two years in this case. Uh, well, actually... Well, yeah, two years. Yeah, sorry. So isn't it a little surprising they're not releasing Deathly Hallows a little earlier? Because to be honest, I can survive a six-month gap in between parts one and two. However, a two-year wait between six and seven is pretty long for the Harry Potter franchise. And, you know, I wanted to bring this up. And the funny thing is, nobody has really complained about that, have they, Eric? Okay. Uh, thanks, Eric. Just... <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know, I, I thought about that, but truthfully, you know what's going to happen though is they're probably going to be filming the entire thing, like the whole yeah. both parts back to back, and that the extra That's... six months is the post production on it. Truthfully, you know what's going to happen is again editing is going to take place. They're going to edit the first one. Once it gets to a final cut, then the you know the visual effects people are finishing that up. It's going to get finished out, and that last six months is where the visual effects are crunching, finishing everything up for the second one. They're going to be shooting the things back to back um, on the two, just like they did with the matrix, just like they did with pirates of the Caribbean. Um, all of it shot back to back. So that way the disc, you know, between the two, the, you know, the distribution between the two is six months. So that's why it takes nope. a little bit longer. I, I agree. You I know? think that's a good point. You know, it, it, there's no faster way to get it out, like get it earlier, because what happens is they're in shooting longer, post production, everything just doesn't come in. You know, it, it won't be finished in time to get it out earlier. So I guess we can move on because that's kind of how it has to be. Yeah, Andrew. All right, I'll grab. Yeah, what happened to him? Okay, right, Micah. I'll I'll... <laughs> anyway, right, it's just man. me and Micah here. Um, it's the it's it's the Eminem show. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> I think uh, Eric and Andrew are probably off talking on their own without us. Yeah, they just left us alone. I bet Andrew went to get a drink or something. He thinks that he's you know cool enough. No, sorry. Just... Oh, hey, yeah, sorry. here's Andrew's back. <laughs> he All right, I'm back. I uh, the welcome phone to call. the M&M show, Andrew. You know, Micah, and Mikey. <laughs> no, he went to go watch. Uh, <laughs> Check out uh, Chikizi on American Idol. No, That's what I want to care do. less. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, um, but okay. Next, next email. The last email comes from Terry, who's a boy, fourteen, of Montreal, Canada. Uh, more on the Deathly Hollow split, but focusing on marketing. He says, first of all, I'm pretty happy that there's a split and convinced that it is a better thing to do. A big thanks to you guys for your opinions, which helps me decide it. I think, as you guys have also put to theory that there will be separate DVDs for each half of the full movie released. Uh, the first DVD should come out somewhere around March, since the others have done so similarly. The second DVD should come in October, and a full DVD set containing both halves around the holiday season. Now, I wanted to know from you guys, what would you do? Would you buy them separately, or wait over a year to get the entire DVD set? It's pretty difficult to choose. I myself do not know, and would like to hear your opinion. Thanks a lot. I want you guys to know that your show and site are a really positive thing in my life and that they are some of the things that are keeping me from truly going insane. Well, that's nice to know. Keep up the great work. <laughs> I yeah, already nice. thought about this. <laughs> I've actually thought about this a lot. Um, I am going to buy each movie as they come out on DVD um, up till you know mid-2010. reason for this is chances are I probably won't be able to afford a nice big screen TV to jump to Blu-ray yet. Uh, but once the entire big thing comes out, of course, there'll be another reason for me to get my big screen TV and buy the entire thing on Blu-ray along with Star Wars and all my wonderful movies that I have to upgrade 
uh, to the nice HD versions of. Well, see, there's an, actually an example, and I don't mean to go back to what we were talking about before, but all the original Star Wars movies that were sort of digitally remastered, I mean, that was really a, a revenue-generating idea, wasn't it? I mean, to put them back in theaters with these sort of new uh, scenes. Special edition? Yeah, you- well, yes and no. It was kind of a tr- – actually um, – it, it was a big joke to, for hardcore Star Wars fans with that is because the special edition is horrible. Like, they've changed so many little things, and none of the fans of Star Wars really like it, the special edition, much. But what we all recognize is it recognized to George Lucas and Lucasfilm that, yes, there was still a draw for Star Wars so he can do the prequels. And, yes, the technology had gotten to a point where the prequels can happen to the way he wants them to be. Now, I'm not saying that the prequels 1, 2, and 3 are great. I like the story. I like where it leads to. It kind of wraps a lot of things up that were undiscussed. But it at least it, it at least showed a few things with that, you know, the special edition release. Um, right. so, so what would well, you guys yeah. do? Let's just go around the table. I well, mean, I already well, said Mikey, what I would do. <laughs> yeah, Mikey said, Mikey, what would you what? I And I already said what I'm going to do. I mean, I'll buy it. Like it'll be tempting. They'll ha- they'll have special features on there, and they'll be doing all these promos that just make you want to buy it. And I'll probably buy it. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think I'd probably go as they were released. Go and get the DVDs. You know, the first one uh, for the first part of book uh, movie seven, and then the second part of movie seven. I mean, I don't know if I would go all out and then get the movie together but i guess it all depend upon what you were saying what are the special features that are going to be available on the two disc versus the movies individually that's why you yeah. buy the together one in blu-ray micah get it in the high def version <laughs> well that's this that's the thing that really annoys me they already have out a uh complete sorcerer stone through order of that annoys set. me and i'm thinking that like, annoys God. me they had it ever no ever since i mean movie three well that's revenue generation right there i'm sorry that's purely yeah, for monetary if, gain. What I can see that for is people who are new to the movies, but well, that's about no, it. No, I mean, Eric. yeah, well, I agree with you, and I agree with everyone else, too. I mean, this whole, you know, book by book, every, you know, same with the books, but to a much lesser point than with the movies. Every new movie comes out, they have this new box set of all the movies, but if there's going to be seven or eight, you know, just, just wait or something, you know, but I guess the box set, mm. I mean, you're you're right, Andrew, for new listeners, for new visitors, you know, it's it's... It makes sense makes because, sense. you know, you maybe know, the movie uh, store won't have all the old ones that came out six or seven years ago. I mean, it's it's a fair point, I think. You know, I've known... Mm-hmm. No, I, I, you know, I like the idea of box sets as they come out. You know, I'm not the one to buy them, but uh, a perfect example is the books. I was not an original Harry Potter fan. I didn't get into it till after Order of the Phoenix. I read a friend's uh, first and second Same. book, and I liked it so much, I, I went out and bought the five-book set. You know, after the Phoenix, and I was there for a midnight release of, you know, Half Blood Prince. But I read all five books, and I didn't buy one book at a time. I ended up buying the five book set, so that way I had them all and read, you know, read them, and then I bought the other two well, books that was individually. With me. I, it's a great way to it's a great way to jumpstart your oh, yeah. your collection of. Well, them, I agree. I, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, I did the same thing with the uh, four book set. You know, I borrowed a friend's two, uh, one, two, and or no, two and three, and then I just bought the four book set the, the day that Goblet of Fire came out in paperback. Same thing. But I guess with, I mean, with DH, I will definitely. I mean, if it comes out 
in if it comes out fast enough and if they're not doing that theatrical release that we were speculating about whether or not they would bring DH part 1 back to theaters for the release of DH2 then I would definitely end up buying the DVD even if it was just a little DVD but one thing they can't go wrong on I really want commentary uh from the trio I really don't think that they could do wrong if they did that if the DVD had that I would buy it of course of course yeah well, let's move along now. Um, I think we've done all these emails justice. We're already pretty far into the show. Um, this week, we're going to get back on track with uh, chapter by chapter. As we said earlier, we're going to do chapter chapter 22, The Deathly Hallows. Of course. Yay! Yay! The, the title chapter. I guess that's what you call it, right? When the... the... Yeah. Title chapter, self-titled, something like that. I mean... Yeah, because like with songs, they'll do like self-titled album... Well, yeah. that's for the name of the artist. That's but for the name of the artist. But I understand yeah. what you're saying. I, I I can't think of it either. Yeah. But, um, well, luckily, that's not what this show is about. It's about this wonderful chapter. Um, pretty long chapter, too. I mean, a uh, short summary of this is basically they they discover, they, well, they discovered the Deathly Hallows in the uh, chapter prior. But in this uh, one, Harry is making the realization that this is what he needs to he needs to become the master, uh, the master of death, and this is what he needs to kill Voldemort. He also discovers that he already has two out of three of them and has most of his life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what annoys me about reading this chapter <sighs> after having already read the book is that you know the answer to opening up um, the snitch, but it's like you know he's sitting there pondering it, like he's completely confused. He doesn't know how to do it. Well, it's kind of stupid, actually, how how the snitch eventually opens. But I mean, it basically says I open at the close of the novel. It's like I'm not going to open till that battle. Not going to do it. Sorry, dude. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, dude. Not going to do it <laughs> until you absolutely want to die and stuff. No, not going to happen until page. Yeah, yeah I, I will not open. What it really said is I'm not going to open till page six hundred and you know thirty seven. That's that's really what it said, and. <laughs> okay, the first thing we want to discuss today is uh, Hermione casting all those spells immediately after they arrive at the new place. Uh, you know, the productive ones, what were they? What were they? But I, what I mean by that is uh, when I posted these notes in two weeks ago to two weeks show, I expected someone to go back to the beginning of the chapter and write down the incantations. Oh, what they were. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. But this is just standard for Hermione, really. I mean, yeah, yeah she's been doing this for all of them. The spells are, I actually do have it right here. It's Protego, Totalum, Salvio, Hexia, Cave, and in, Cave in, in Inimicum. <laughs> yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. So, anyway, I mean, the, I guess the whole basic deal is it's pretty cool that you can just arrive in any place and all of a sudden start casting all these protective charms and stuff. So, I think it's pretty cool. And then, as we were discussing a uh, couple weeks ago, I guess it was, uh, how, who was it? Was it Hermione who said it? Or. We don't need another Godric's Hollow or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, she had said then, that, or or Harry, Hermione or Harry had said that. But then here she goes, "Why did we go there, Harry? You were right. It was Godric's Hollow all over again." You right. know, sheesh. Well, what a you know what a way to to think of it in hindsight that they've had another outing that that is just like uh, Godric's Hollow where they aren't prepared and they get them they get in over them head over their own heads and then somehow escape. But that's the reality, though, of the entire book. Right, I mean, that's anywhere what I'm that saying. they go, yeah. it's going to be problematic whether they're with people who are on their side or people who aren't on their side. It's you know they're going to encounter confrontation no matter where they go. 
Yeah. It just so to you're happen. saying it's so, a habit of the, you know, I mean, it's a problem with the way the world is, you know, the way the world is set in this book? At the time, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, they're at war. I mean, he's, he's you know, what do they call him again? Something number one. Undesirable I mean, number one. Yeah. So <laughs> if he's that person, naturally, wherever he's going, there's going to be uh, problems. And you look at the fact Xenophilius Lovegood, I mean, They've never really encountered the guy before prior to the wedding, so he's not like the most reliable person in the world. I wouldn't just walk through the door and say, hey, how's it going? Hey. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Fonz, like, hey, you yeah, welcome right. me just, in here, you know? But like, no, they need I agree all this. With... That's, they need all this. That's what, that's what I'm no, saying. Like, I, I, yeah, there's, there's a no lot reason of to risk. risk. There's a huge risk with whatever they do, but they know that they have to take the risks. They're just lucky that it ended up working out okay this so you wouldn't, time. You wouldn't all three of them they, left you wouldn't complain that they don't think things out before they go you you think that I mean, oh no no I completely agree with with that point because I hated the whole ministry scene I thought that was absolutely idiotic okay that they just went in there with not really I mean they did think it out but there were so many they thought like the minute details of it out as far as who they were going to be but they didn't have any plan as to once they got in there what they were going to do if they got separated, which was the case that did happen. And that, you know, three seemingly not even close to being in stature, the same type of people within the organization. Well, you know, it looks kind of weird to have those three people hanging out with each other. So that was not thought about very well. So a lot of the things that they do aren't thought out, but they don't really have a choice because they don't have anybody to guide right. them. Right, and yeah, that's that's probably true. I mean, that's very true. But And also, if they would have waited any longer before they went to the ministry, it may have been, you know, February before they got to anywhere else, you know. So I guess they did have to act. You're right, Micah. It, it, it's a plot device. It moves I, I know it's a plot device, but when it, exactly. but Mikey, when, when it screams at you, when it screams at you, I know, I know, I know. You have you have to give it some leeway, guys. You gotta let it, you know, let your imagination run. I, Imagine if you were Harry. You're impatient. You're impulsive. You have a hero complex. Come yeah, on, yeah. You have a saving people thing. Well, dude, like seriously, Mike. But when it is a plot device and it screams out at you and says hi. Or good eye, mate. I'm a plot device. You know, it just kind of irks me. <laughs> now, yeah. note number three: is there much to discuss there, or is it, aren't you just repeating what was said in the book? I mean, they're trying to figure out, or Harry was trying to figure uh, out in his uh, head. Oh, I, I yeah, I was questioning whether or not we actually discussed this last chapter about um, things being dead, not really belonging in the in the real world again. And you know, they the guy in the story of the three brothers discovered that. And, you know, Harry's really creeping Hermione out here with the talk of living with dead people. So I didn't know if we really talked about or if we wanted to talk about, like, if, you know, how things don't belong once they're dead and all the things. It's kind of a theme of the book. Well, why do you think it was creeping her out? I mean, maybe that's a more specific question to ask because you could look at it in a number of ways. It was creeping her out because she just didn't like the idea in general or it was creeping her out because she thought that Harry actually may want to go and live, quote unquote, with those people who That's he's a lost. Good question. Or maybe, maybe another way you can look at it is if they if they don't belong back on Earth, then what happens if they do come back? 
are there certain side or are there well, effects? Well, I guess it's against there... nature. But then again, it could happen just yeah. like Horcruxes. You know, making Horcruxes is against nature, but it can it can happen. exist in nature. You know, it can exist. Yeah. What are the repercussions of bringing someone back? Essentially, is what happens. You know, Mikey. Here. You know um, what I'm thinking of right now. I can't bring people back from the dead. It's not a pretty picture. (laughs) It's the genie. genie. Oh, man, I love Aladdin. You ain't never had a friend like me. That's right, man. (laughs) Mikey B. That's right. I knew you'd like that. I knew you'd like that. Of course, dude. You're awesome. You have great taste. That's great. All right. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So, um, another plot device here. Hermione. Well, Harry is ranting at Raven because he thinks he has the answer to everything, and you know, unfortunately for us, he does. But uh, Hermione accuses him of you know trying to fit everything in his re- in his well real life into the the story of the Deathly Hallows, which is you know just a fairy tale according to Hermione. So, you know, I mean, here we are as readers listening to Hermione um, talk about. You know, Harry trying to fit everything into the Hallows story. But at the same time, this is a book about the Deathly Hallows, and J.K.R. has tried to weave, or she's been weaving, this crafty tale of, of Harry's invisibility close true identity and, and all that sort of thing into the into the Hallows story. It, it seems like it seems like you shouldn't bite the hand that feeds you, but similarly, J.K.R. shouldn't write Hermione complaining that Harry does something if she's doing it herself or you know do you guys feel that way or do you think it's not that case at all I think it it is kind of interesting that this is the first time Hermione's really just like I, I really can't think of another time where Hermione was just like Harry you're crazy forget it you know they're Hermione and Ron are very set on the fact that Dumbledore told them they have to destroy their horcruxes and that's it yet Harry here thinks he has everything figured out and Hermione's just so well, against it, I I don't. The I don't know reality what of it is could be pretty scary, and I mean, it goes back to Hermione being scared before about Harry talking about living with the dead. You know, it, it to me, what I saw in this chapter was that you know, for once, it's Harry who's actually putting it together. It's not Hermione that's doing the puzzle, which song. is refreshing. And, <laughs> it and is. The, it is and the fact that that he could be right about this. I think scares her more, and. That may be sort of what's underlying this whole thing is that she doesn't want to believe that he could possibly be right because if he is, you know, the consequences are just so great. Right. She just wants to take the the safer route or the more r- realistic route. I so guess, you guess right? It's, it's yeah. basically bringing Harry closer to death than she's comfortable with. I guess if he's ha- if you know if he wants to do anything with these Deathly Hallows. Right. I mean, listen yeah. to the Master of Death. Yeah. Like yeah, that's, that's kind of creepy. Scary. Well, there's yeah. also a part where it's like. Deathly Hallows, Horcrux. You know, he's contemplating. What do I do? Or you know, he, he's completely contemplating. And I think it's it, you know, it comes down to it's Harry's realization that it's not Hermione and, and Ron's journey. It's his, and he mm-hmm. they're going to be there with him. But in the end, he has to make the final choice what he's going to do. And Hermione's scared. It, it, it comes down to it. She, you know, she's a Gryffindor and she's brave. She's done a lot of amazing things, but the only one can you know you know, defeat the other, you know, it's Harry that's going to destroy Voldemort and he has to make the decision in the end. And that's, I think a huge reason why it was Harry putting everything together. You're seeing from Harry's perspective heavily on this one. 
And he's seven books into it, and he knows that at every one of his stories there's a resolution. So no matter what which path he took, he would have he would have gotten out of there. Joe would have saved him. So uh, everything you, was all good. You, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of that Will Ferrell movie where it's like there's Stranger an author, fiction? Uh, an author writing, yeah, writing about his life. He's like, who's telling me what to do? Yeah. Yeah, you the narrator's imagine, like, God. Yeah, what, you know the- Can you imagine if Harry was really there and then, like, Joe is just being like, and Harry couldn't decide whether to go through the Deathly Hollows or after the Horcruxes. And he's like, who's telling me what to think? That would yeah. be great. Well, the best line is... Sorry, uh, I find let's that... Let's move amazing. on to the next okay. note. Well, I mean, so Harry is putting things together, and J.K.R. is... It, it turns out J.K.R. has woven this tale, you know, at, at le- you know, from the beginning, I guess, with the Invisibility Cloak, but more and more recently in Book 6 with uh, Marvolo Gaunt saying that his ring, a family heirloom, you know, had the Peveril Crest on it. Um, so, basically, we've got this whole thing where Harry... I, I don't understand. Harry's kind of flipping out. He says that the ring or the stone of the ring is inside the snitch, which he's, of course, right about, but it seems awfully convenient. But at the same time, it, it just – we're seeing how J.K.R. is weaving all these uh, things together and, and fitting them all into the Hallows story. Um, so I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think about how she kind of wrote his invisibility cloak? I mean we haven't seen any other invisibility cloaks, but in this uh, – you know, it's kind of clever. No, we have, we have. Well, have we? Didn't they have? Uh, didn't they talk about how Moody had another one, but someone else was using it? Oh, or... you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I still think it's clever that we we've been treated in a way to this invisibility cloak, which is you know I would call it a main character in the books. Um, but then we didn't know that you know other invisibility cloaks would wear would not fit them all as good, you know that sort of thing. Turns out this invisibility cloak is actually really special. Yeah, no. And doesn't somebody comment on that, though? I mean, earlier in the books, and I, I forget who it was that they hadn't seen a cloak quite like this ever yeah. before. Yeah, yeah you know, that? I wanted to say that, but I don't remember who. It was said, though. It but, was. And I mean, I think, I think, I think it shouldn't come as, like, a surprise. Because we've always known there was something, like, haven't we really always known that there's something about the cloak? Yeah, I mean, you know. Dumbledore even had it. And even the way he wanted them to have it, so yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like it just magically appears. You know, we know it's Dumbledore that gave it to him, but it's like yeah. he just magically gets this amazing gift. And Ron says, "Wow, those are really rare." Uh, you know, it's like wow. Yeah, that too. So it's like so it, it's always been given some significance, and like the invisibly cloak has played a role in every book. Come on, Harry sneaks out way too much. But the cloak has confused me because in the in the books. Um, it says it's indestructible. It, it it makes you it makes you invisible, like completely invisible. But I'm thinking, like, don't all you have to do is pull it off you, and you're not right invisible right. anymore. Like, I'm confused by how how amazing this really is. Dumbledore can make himself invisible without a cloak. So um, he no, the- he cannot make himself invisible. He can disillusion himself, so it's just like he can go invisible. But but he's essentially uh, he's invisible, not to a very strong wizard. To a very strong wizard, like you know, say Voldemort, he wouldn't not, be invisible. Oh, okay. Oh, but see, okay. What he does is uh, Dumbledore cannot make himself invisible, but he's such a strong and powerful wizard that when he does a disillusionment charm on himself, it's almost like he's invisible, and it's you know just as good it. for a majority of people. That's and it. Joe actually said that I think inside an interview, not in the book. I remember that, and I was like, "That makes sense now," because I was beating myself up thinking. Oh, about that's really that. cool, Mikey. 
Sorry. I knew that one, like, no, off that's the top cool. of my head. Um, that was great. But- it's cool <laughs> that he was beating himself up. Yeah, he was beating <laughs> himself up about it. No, but again, you, again, we, we know Invisibility Cloaks are made from, uh, was it, Demiguys? Yeah. yeah. Demiguys uh, fur and stuff like that. And they wear out. You know, it, it's like a fur coat, I would assent assume but this you know is but this is like completely different you know and he didn't he you know describe it once like it felt like water almost on his hands yeah 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 yeah. that doesn't remind me of fur at all so like definitely you can tell now thinking about it and this is me thinking out loud guys it's uh completely different than any other invisibility cloak yeah Um, i think you're right and again we've conveniently been left out details about other invisibility cloaks you know up until kind of the very end when we find out his is special. Okay, so um, next we have just, I mean, Harry is uh, pretty certain that his his invisibility cloak is special, that the uh, ring stone is actually in the snitch. He makes all these assumptions that are kind of convenient. I would call them unlikely. I would call them a cheap literary technique in a way. You know, he's right only when he absolutely needs to be uh, because, what, there can't be a you know, because this is the part where in the book where the plot has to go forward, so Harry has to know, just like he had to know about Godric's Hollow, you know, that sort of thing. It's just all this stuff happens, and Harry is certain that he's special and that and what he must do. So after he figures out what we must do, Ron interrupts them, and this is a little something that I quite enjoyed. I know you guys did too. We talked about this in London when we first read it, but J.K.R. does something really wonderful for us, in, or at least we think she did. Um, I don't. I. Oh, I don't know. Come, come on, Andrew. You're seems, too humble. It seems like we. It seems like a good idea on Joe's end. We're talking about Potter Watch. It seems like a good idea for them. Uh, they needed something to refresh them, to enlighten them, to give them in, connect them to the outside world. A little gossip. I mean, I won't say it's needed, needed, but you need a little comic relief. In well, this it part serves, of the story. I mean, all it proves is that it serves the story. I still think that, I mean, she not only kind of, I, I, I think, okay, I'm going to go out with my opinion. I think that it was kind of a nod to the literary discussion we had been doing. I mean, not just us, Pottercast and all of the other sort of Harry Potter podcasts out there. All the kind of discussion at all in the fandom to have this Potter Watch, a radio show type thing, led by some of our, you know, favorite minor characters in the books. You know, I th- I think that was a direct yeah. nod, and not only that, but she improved on, on on what we were doing with coming up with some really cool ideas or segments. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with what you're saying. It is worth mentioning that um when uh, everyone read this, we got flooded with emails. Just oh my gosh, Joe was recognizing you guys and all the other podcasts out there with Potter Watch. I I guess it'd be nice to actually get more official word from her about it. It's. It's a cool name, though. I mean, and as we're about to discuss, there are some. And you know good what's interesting, though, is that that never came up. You know, I thought maybe at Carnegie Hall that was going to be uh, a question that was posed to her, or at least in some of the interviews that she has done since then. But surprisingly, that question was never posed to her as to you know where she really got the idea for Potter Watch and uh, if really? it was sort of a recognition of anything i'll be honest with you i wasn't really impressed by all the questions uh that were posed to joe after the book came out except for the web chat there was a lot of good stuff going on in there but after that there weren't many interviews that were really enlightening i'm not blaming it on joe i don't know who to to blame it on but you know frankly i want to hear more about the veil i want to hear more about 
specific topics like pot like potter watch is the most important question but it would certainly be an interesting one where she got the inspiration for that but that's a side topic um you know i digress <laughs> do you but, think uh, uh do you think this will come up in a encyclopedia of some sort maybe i don't know potter watch doesn't seem like very encyclopedic material mm. yeah well, could be but, depends wow. on how thorough she gets once she's done writing yeah can we have code names, yeah, well, Andrew? Like, like that's... Can we have code names? Well, I'm Toots. Oh, you've been, I've been toots? toots since long before Buck Seven came you've out. You've been Toots, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to call you Tootsie. Toots? Nah, that's not. Nah. Yeah, we're calling you Tootsie. Uh, everyone says I'm pronouncing Toots wrong. It should be Toots. And technically, that's probably right, but I think half it the is. joke is that I say Toots. <laughs> so. There's a there's a titled episode of MuggleCast called Toots, toots where you came yeah. up with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I started, I made people starting to call me Toots and they refused. But anyway. Okay, okay, okay. So let's move on with our amazing Latin decoding skills. Remus's code name is Romulus. Do you guys know why? Yes. Romulus and Remus. I don't know why. Why? And, uh, and why? who were they? Who, well, who, well, who, well, Eric, maybe you should tell us. Oh no, dude! You guessed it. You guessed Romulus uh, was well. So. Now, now, now that I'm all worried, now I don't want to know. Uh, the brothers, right? Yeah, they were brothers raised by wolves. Raised by wolves and then forced to kill each other, right? Or no, kill ooh, each other? No, maybe not. Maybe no, maybe no. no I don't died. remember. Huh? Yeah, one of them died, they, but they, no, they, okay, one they, of them they killed each other. One of them killed dude, one of them. They did something somewhere. else really important first. They founded Rome. Yeah, I know. Yeah. One of them, but um, they were the fa- yeah. You're right. No, you're completely right. They were raised by wolves. They were the brothers who, um, or at least uh, I think it was Remus who named Rome after Romulus, something like that. But uh, needless to say, they were brothers credited with the building or founding of Rome, and they were raised by wolves. So um, it's kind of ironic or kind of funny that Remus, uh, his code name on this uh, Potter watch should be Romulus because that's kind of a direct nod to the uh, origin of his name, or at least in popular popular history. So, so other names, though, other code names for these characters are not as clear. Uh, kind of like rodent. Do you guys understand rodent uh, as it appears to Fred or George? I think it's sort of just like being a rat, like ratting out. The truth? I don't know. Uh, oh well, I it think wouldn't surprise who- me that that Fred and George would want to be rodent and rapier. Rapier. I thought it was rapier. Rapier. Yeah, I, I didn't like want to say it like that though. I don't. I don't yeah, know what you're going like for. Rapier. You know, I don't. No, a rapier is is a is a spear. It's like it's the sword that you use for fencing. I think. Oh, okay. At, at least okay. that's what I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I'm looking it up the definition now. Yeah, that's what it is. Defined. Yeah, oh, cool. a, a type of thrusting sword. Yeah, so, it's the fencing type sword. Uh, well, it so makes right sense. Here. So they're sharp. They poke fun. They yeah. thrust the truth at you. I don't know. It's like <laughs> they thrust the. There's a million yeah. different reasons. A yeah. chief Death Eater was another sort of. It wasn't a nickname. Well, it was a nickname, but it wasn't one of the code names. Of course, for Voldemort. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, and, uh, is that for the taboo's sake or? Uh, Chief Death Eater? Well, yeah. I, I think it's a cool name for him anyway. It's better yeah. than saying, you know who, you know, you know who this, you know who that. Right. He who must not be named. It's boring. Chief Death Eater. You know? It's yeah. kind of... Uh, besides, I, I think that's an honorable status, Chief Death Eater. He's the one he, you know, he's the one who's eaten death, who's actually picked it up and eaten it with a fork and spoon. Right. So, 
that works. Um, they also just ramble a bit about having a uh, 16 foot high uh, brother. They talk about Hagrid, who's now in, I guess, or no, he's on, he's the, on run the run. He's on the run, yeah. Because he had a support Harry Potter party at his house. This is just one of the things I would like to see in a cutscene in the in movie seven. I, I mean, I I know some guys. You you'll know, never see it, though. You'll never see it, though. Never. But uh, just sort of, I, cute I think idea. they should keep up with Hogwarts before we actually get the trio going there, but that's just me. But um, Zeno. Uh, Lovegood is in prison. A um, bunch of other stuff happens. Uh, Lupin is living with Tonks again, which was comforting to me, you know, because there was that falling out with Harry. Harry feels a little bit guilty about it. They were comforted, too. They thought yeah. it was a relief, too. No. Yeah. And, uh, okay, here's the one thing, I guess, that really made us think or really made me think that it was a nod to us, this whole Potter Watch thing. It's because uh, I think Lee Jordan makes the comment uh, that uh, someone uh, could move faster than Severus Snape confronted with shampoo. You know, is that not a fandom joke, or has that actually been said in the books before? Uh, I think it has. I don't think it's been said in the books before, but I do oh, remember was, on an episode uh, of no, Cast Top 10. On the, uh, it was a top ten thing that we did on the show. Oh yeah, that's right. Top ten, and then and then the title was like Snape doesn't use shampoo, or it was like a statement. Snape's yeah. shampoo. I don't know. But actually, guys, I'm, we're going to get emails if we don't say this. At least on the Marauders map, didn't it say we uh, Mooney wishes he would wash his hair the slimy get? Oh, does it? Oh gosh, yeah, that was so long ago. I well, forget. yeah, it was still so long ago. But so like, there's always been a little bit of reference. But I, I just thought that was so much, you know, kind of fun where we would all we've all used that joke before. You know, so yeah. that was kind, oh, yeah. of, a, kind right. of an identifier. Right. Know, but it was all cool. It was still cool. Um, so I think that's about it. For... Yeah, basically. Yeah, there was... Uh, it's a cute... Well, there was one thing that was said. I'm just... I'm looking it up. Hold on a second. Well, the the one segment that they did do that I was thought was kind of cool that, like, I was thinking, hmm, how can we use this for our show? Pals of Potter. It was... It, it's called. And what do they do? Uh, um, uh, well, the question is uh, Romulus, do you maintain as you have every time you've appeared on our program that Harry Potter's still alive? So I guess it's it's either friends of... It's like, when I first read it, I was like, oh, is this going to be like updates on Pals of Potter or is it going to be about Potter? And apparently it's just about them supporting S- Potter. It's about their own sort of support. Um, yeah. 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 I think so. It's actually... This is actually in the same section. It was... Uh... Lee Jordan, after Kingsley was talking about, um, you know, to help protect all the muggles out there. And Lee says, excellently put, Royal, and if and you've got my vote for Minister of Magic if we ever get out of this mess. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So, so I thought, little foreshadowing Yeah. to uh, Kingsley actually becoming Mr. Minister of Magic. Magic. I like Kingsley. Yeah, right. I really yeah. like Kingsley's actor. In the movie, I really like that. I I do. It's just because of that one line, man. No, no, no. no you no. May, you I, may not like him, Minister, but he got to admit, Dumbledore's got, got style. style. It's just, it's, it's really cool. I love him. Yeah. Watch it. That was the best line. I laughed out loud. That was perfect. That was so perfect. So needed in that movie. Yeah. Well, no, that but, that um, guy was also in uh, what was it? Um, uh, it's that movie with uh, Daniel Craig. Actually, it's uh, sorry, I'm totally dead air or it's either general daniel craig or jason statham it's not a forget it he's in that movie you're though. falling you're falling yeah. you're failing you're falling yeah. and failing it's it's not it's um oh uh layer cake 
Sorry, he's in Layer Cake, which is a you know it's not like Harry Potter at all. But he's a he's you know he's a good role in that. He's a good actor. I I'd like to see what else he did. But I really like the actor they cast to play Kingsley, and not just because of that line, but you know. Anyway, well, I think that does it for chapter by chapter this week. That was easy. Yeah, that was easy. I won't hit the button though. But I mean, <laughs> I was that was easy. <laughs> I gotta reach over. I'm I'm all set up for something else. Can only mean one thing. Quote, 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 quote. It is you. If they find out who they've got, they're snatchers. They're only looking for Trance to sell for gold. That's from next chapter, chapter twenty-three, Malfoy Manor. Nobody excited. Awesome. What's up next? I know what I'm excited for. Make the m- 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 music connection. Yeah, uh, I got a few here for you guys Total this week. Meltdown. Oh, jeez. Hey. Total meltdown. What? Yeah, the music. Right, that, um, that little... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. All right, well, for Make the Music Connection this week, um, got an email with some ideas. It came from uh, Sarah, 22, of Austin, Texas, and uh, she sent in a couple of uh, couple of fun things for the show, but wanted to play her uh, ideas for songs this week because uh, I thought they were pretty good choices, and she has explanations for all of them. So uh, who wants to go first? I will. Mikey, okay. I'm 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 excited. I can do this. Here's a little classic <laughs> rock for you. There you go. Send her my love by Journey. Okay, no, no, I, I know, I know Journey. Uh, there, there's a few things I can think of this one. Uh, but you know, if, if we go through it, I, I really see this as the mirror of Erised. Harry seeing his family, not just sending her his mom, but his whole family, his mom and dad. You know, his, his love. I can, I can see it because because you know again you know Dumbledore has to stop him from continuing to go there because it's what he's yearning for and. Uh, this song is about yearning for, you know, to tell someone that they lo- you love them. So, oh, that's so sweet. What did Sarah say, though? I'm a little... I want to know what she said. Sarah said, um, it's so perfect for Harry's feelings about Ginny when he's on his Horcrux hunt and so lonely. No, I, I, you know, I was going to bring that up, but that seemed like the too obvious of one. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, like, don't, don't, <sighs> don't hurt our listeners. No, but no, but Sarah, <laughs> no, Sarah, no, no, it made perfect sense, and I really like the song because again, the song could be used for multiple things in it. You know, yeah, definitely the Harry and Ginny thing. That's you know, that's standard there. But I, I like the idea that it can go back all the way back to the first book and the mirror like era set. I like that, so. Mikey. All right, Eric. I think uh, this next song probably works best for you. <laughs> <laughs> no one told you that was gonna be this way Your job's a joke, you broke Your love lasts your way I'll be there for you, by the remembrance uh, Made famous by Friends, of course <laughs> This is not just the theme from Friends, Andrew This is also the theme from The D.A. 
This is Dumbledore's army theme because okay. you know that they are loyal to each other. Every time, I mean, Harry can't stop them from coming up to him and being like, "How can we help?" You know, Dumbledore. I mean, sorry, uh, Neville and Luna. Man, they are they are there for him. You know, they are they are there for him. That that's amazing. Man, this is this is the A theme because they're all really they're all into that. They all fight battles together and. You know, they deal with it all. Yeah, it's the DA theme. I, I'm, I'm thinking particularly of Neville's loyalty, but mostly the you know the whole DA is really, you know, they were a good group of friends. All right, fair enough. I like that. Very cool. <laughs> what does she I say? I just picture that, like, the Friends intro being redone to the... Yeah, yeah with them in front of the cafe. fountain. Yeah, totally. Right, right. Or, yeah, <laughs> it's just a rumor requirement. A cafe and a rumor requirement. Well, I have a lot to live up to now. Those are two, two really good... Uh, like oh, but Micah. Explanation. Well, what You're she, Micah. What did Micah say in the, what did she say in the oh. email, Andrew? Um, her idea was um, it's a great trio theme song. So, yeah. I mean. Friends. Yeah. yeah. You, you you matched her pretty well. Um, all right. So, uh, Micah, you're, you're next here. Confess. Could make me love you less. I'll stand by you. I'll stand by you, by the pretenders. And I would have to say, this is when all the uh, ghosts around Harry and he's walking into the forest. Okay. Wow. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, I love picturing these and thinking like they're amazing. (laughs) That's a good one. I like that a lot. Yeah. Her idea was, um, it's good for... Harry and Ginny or Hermione and Ron. I like your idea better, Mike. I have to be honest that that would make me cry. I'm tearing up just thinking about that. Yeah, you know the antithesis. The antithesis of this song is uh, "Don't Stand So Close to Me" by Sting. <laughs> you know, but is it really another good song? I don't even know what that I, word I, means. I, you know, I like Sting and the Police. I really do. They're really a good. Lot. Shout out to Sting oh, and the Police. The Police message in a bottle. I love you. Anyway, guess we'll wrap this up today with voicemails. You guys want some voicemails? I only have four this week. I won't torture you. Torture you with seven, like we tortured Jim Dale, or we almost. <laughs> yeah, he was getting pissed. <laughs> Sorry, he, nah. he was about right. to do his um, Voldemort impression on you. Yeah, let's take the first one. Hi, hi, Mogulcast. My name is Kincaid Rab, and I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> I just wanted to point out something about um the name Xenophilius Lovegood. Uh, Zeno in Latin means foreigner, hence xenophobia, fear of foreigners. So that's probably what J.K. Rowling meant when she made the name Xenophilius. Like bowling. Just wanted to point out that and and um well bye. 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 Oh hey that's good. If the end part of that email was the best. Coming from <laughs> yeah. coming from Latin, if you are a xenophiliac, you love foreign things. You love weird right. stuff. Right. Never put that together. No, I think it's a good point. I mean, I probably have yet to update the name origin section with him um, since I haven't updated it in over a year. Tess, <laughs> but, Micah. Tess, <laughs> Micah, you're working so uh, hard. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, even if you think about uh, xenophobia, you know, fear of foreigners and 
uh, I think that would suit him pretty good um, because he's kind of the oddball and doesn't really fit in with yeah, anybody. He likes weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. So does Aberforth, but I mean... Jeez, ah, Mikey, you, you aren't going to make an Aberforth connection. His name just doesn't he's, happen to be Xenophilius. Yeah. He's, he's a... He's a, oh, goat, goat uh, Say no more. So I have a <laughs> question. What, what is what? what is with Aberforth and the goat, guys? I really it's never put it together. He's just a weirdo. That question was asked at Carnegie Hall, too, and Joe didn't do too good of a job Joe did not that. touch that with a she, 39 uh, and a half foot pole. No, she did, but she just couldn't find the right word. She was cracking Well, up. J.K. Rowling uh, said, she said, how old are you? And she said, <laughs> the girl who was asking the question, I guess she said nine or ten. And J.K. Rowling said, she gave some like you know elementary answer. Oh come on, was that was like, the best. That's answer. all you need that to know. That was the best answer ever. I it was. Loved it was that. Funny, yeah, yeah. So I'm still confused. He <laughs> loves goats. Aberforth loves the goat. We'll leave it there. I think it's the. <laughs> I think it's the horns. He's charmed by the goat. Hey, do you guys hear that sound? No. It's the sound of another voicemail. Hey, Mugglecasters, this is Melissa M., age 17, from New Jersey. I just wanted to comment on your taboo discussion. I don't know, I saw the taboo less of a reason to find those against Voldemort and more of a way to keep the fear. Um, um I don't think she intended for this voicemail to be played because that's how she ended the voicemail, by going, but uh, that was a good unison there, Andrew. We, so we both were the the blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Um, but what do you think? I, I I like her idea. She's saying that the taboo was more to just scare people in general, not to enforce anything. No, I'm not gonna comment on that because that's too much into current politics here in the U.S. And I don't want to start a big old discussion. Wow. No, I, I completely disagree. I think the taboo was to find people. People aren't going to say the name Voldemort unless they are exactly. those kinds of people. So it's not – no, it's not to scare people. People aren't going to – you couldn't pay people to say that name before it was a taboo, you know, unless they were members of the order. Thing. The taboo thing was strictly so you could locate people uh, who, who did say the name – or to locate the, you know, the opposition to Voldemort because they were the only ones – who were going to consciously speak his name. So it is all about finding people. Yeah, I yeah. I completely agree with Eric. I, I kind of disagree with the voicemail. I don't think it has anything to do with a, a fear aspect of it because, as he said, the people were afraid to say the name before, so they're certainly not going to say it now. The only people who are brave enough to speak his name are the people that Voldemort himself are after. So it was a way of making sure that they could track them down. I guess. There's only one thing that could solve this question. Another voicemail. Correct! Hey, MuggleCast, this is Elliot from good old Minnesota. Okay, I don't really talk like that. I had a question about your <laughs> yes, listeners. Yes, he does. I've noticed that most of your <laughs> listeners are girls, and I wanted to know what you thought about that. As a guy listener of MuggleCast, I have no idea why this would be. Okay, maybe I do, but that's a totally different story. Um, I also wanted to thank you all for everything you do. I love the show, and I can't imagine my life without Uncle Cast. I know. Try not to cry. Aww. Oh, and uh, Andrew, Laura, Matt, Micah, Jamie, Eric, Ben, Kevin, Mikey, and Elisa are my favorites. Okay, thanks. Bye. 
I but, wonder if it's in that order. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was like seven. Yeah, you said my name first, so. It's all right, Eric. I'm at the end, too. Yeah, that sucks, man. Anyway, what do you guys think? I mean, I I think it's a pretty good question. Um, What did he have? You know what, guys? I think I'm the only only one that was a uh, listener. You guys were all hosts from the beginning. So, you know, I I, I think it's weird, you know, when you're a male listener to a MogoCast. It it really is, because I remember I'm the, the only guy I knew listening to it for the longest time. When I have this little thing, when I do meet the guy listeners at the live shows, I shake their hand and I say thank you because it takes a lot of guts to come out to a live show knowing full well there's going to be a ton of crazy fangirls. Not saying it's not a bad idea to maybe find a girl that you would like, but, uh, you know, it. most guys wouldn't go for that. I mean, they come, to, they come to, you know, meet us and hear us do a discussion. So I have to give them a lot of credit for coming out there. Yeah, and also, you know, it's the same thing with the conventions. The conventions are predominantly female also. Oh, there's a, so glad you brought that up because that uh, relates to our next voicemail. But um, but yeah, no, it, it's one of those things where I honestly, like, I first met Andrew uh, and, and Eric at Lumos. Uh, I don't remember if you were there, Micah. I don't think I met you there. No, I, I was not. Okay, I was yeah, I, I, I didn't think I met you there. <laughs> I was pretty sure I didn't meet you there. But that's when I first met you guys, and you guys were probably, like, what, 50 episodes in? I remember listening to, like, the an episode while driving up there. I drove up to Vegas on my own. I was like, you know what? I have a cheap hotel, not at the same hotel. And I figured, I'm like, if this thing is totally lame and I'm totally like a weirdo for liking Harry Potter and I'm the only guy that I know that does, I'll just hang out in Vegas. I'm 21. I'll party it up. <laughs> there you go. I yeah. was like, I'll just party it up. And I ended up having a great time. I met, you know, you guys and, you know, you guys thought I was pretty cool and I'm somehow now on the show. So. And, and even I, like, I listened to the first episode um, of MuggleCast. And then I said, "This is. Shit. I need to talk to them and tell them what they need to do." No, you know, Micah, it's all right. Just tell Andrew how much you really hated the first few episodes. Like I remember, you know, they got, you know, Mogocast got pulled because they were just so bad. iTunes Wait, said, no, "We don't like no, you." No. Wait, <laughs> we Wait I remember that. I know. I thought that's. This is not what happened, no. Andrew. No, we didn't get pulled because of the quality of the show. <laughs> iTunes, for some reason, thought we were in violation of some copyright or something. They pulled MuggleCast and PotterCast. Oh, yeah. We know which podcast is the better podcast. But the point is, they didn't pull us because of being bad. I could give you a million podcasts out there that are terrible. Not any Harry Potter podcasts. They're all good. But um, (laughs) I know. Andrew, I I I said that to get a rise out of you. I know. I know you did. Yeah, so did I. I mean, but I did listen to the first episode before, you know, I, I... contacted kevin and ended up working here but i mean you know i don't know i i can't really say that i would have i guess it's impossible to answer if i would have listened beyond you know i guess maybe deathly hollows i don't know but back to his original question why are there so many girls that listen to the show Guys, it's obvious. Are there? Do that many more girls read Harry Potter than guys? I, I think so. Well, that's true or, too. Or, I mean, or do the that fandom... many more girls have iPods than guys? That sort of thing. Why does no, no? Why does Harry really... Potter appeal to girls so much more than guys? Or Dan Radcliffe. You no, know, I don't. I don't know that it does. And and here's the reason why: because even at work, I mean, my boss reads it. But or, I mean, there are, there are exception cases. I mean, uh, no, no, no. But I, I think probably there are a lot more who do read it who just don't publicize it as much. Uh, you know, because it's maybe it's not looked upon as being something that's you know masculine, cool, or 
yeah, exactly. And and that's completely not true, but you know, maybe that's the reason why. But I mean, you go on a train after one of the books are released and you know, it doesn't matter where you look, there are people reading Harry Potter, you know, streets of New York, people sitting on benches. It doesn't matter if it's a guy or a girl, they're, they're reading the book and and maybe I don't know, maybe the girls are just more prone well, to getting involved in a fandom. No, it's than, not true. You know, but, this fandom is predominantly female and I haven't been able to figure out exactly why Harry Potter is predominantly female. Like when you compare it to other fandoms like the Star Trek, I'm not a Star Trek fan at all, but or Star Wars, which are pretty male dominated fandoms. Hmm. You know what I mean? Those are big fandoms, but they're pretty male dominated. Um this fandom is predominantly female and the only thing I can think of is um, fan fiction is definitely geared more towards females than male. Well, fan fiction again, is a good outlet and for that again, kind of period you, in their lives. And also, when you, and also when you look at the conventions, again, they're probably female and a lot of those topics relate to fan fiction and that sort of stuff. I also think um, the movies play a big role because Star Wars, you have a couple of attractive actors. Um, what other fandom? Lord of the Rings, you have a couple of attractive actors. But it seems with the Harry Potter films, there are many more <laughs> it's attractive main actors. And when you go to these premieres, you see all these crazy screaming girls. And that's why I'm thinking um, in the actual hardcore fans, there are more girls because more girls love swooning over Dan Radcliffe, Tom Felton, Rupert Grint. Uh, the list can go on. Uh, so I think the movies do play a role. You know, and the definitely. books are... And who like who would like magic more, guys or girls? I mean, well, guys are technically more. I don't know. Guys tend to be more techno um, geared in the sense of like technology. Actually, though, aren't so guys aren't guys more fantasy writers or fantasy readers than girls? Is that has that been proven? Uh, I don't think I don't think that's true. I think guys are more science fiction and girls are more A science fiction fantasy. aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah but see, and again, I, that's I the, know, with because... the technology thing because, like, if you look at all those gifts for Valentine's Day or Christmas, guys, uh, gifts for him, which are all like tech and gadgets, and gifts for her, which are more like you don't really find gadgets on those lists. Well, Mikey, yeah, you don't find those things. Well, Mikey, you're right, and what you're saying with the techno thing, I think, and what I want to say is that I think it's brilliant how to address this kind of a question because we're talking about how most of our audience is female, the Harry Potter fandom is predominantly female, all that, but yet we're a podcast which has nine men and two girls, you know, because and wait, it's wait, wait, done, wait, 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 because how many a, girls are on this show? What? Well, not today. Laura but I Lisa? know Laura's gone. I'm sorry. I have no. to pick on Laura. Oh, right. She was supposed okay. to be here. But Laura, <laughs> Laura was supposed Ali- to be no, here today. Laura and Elisa are the only girls who've like basically ever you know who do this show and we have all these guys and you know that might be because like you're saying mikey about the techno thing how we're all doing this how it all started through a website but i think it's incredibly interesting that we see and we question why the fandom is predominantly female we should actually kind of be questioning why our podcast which represents the fandom is so predominantly male it's the same connection I made with the movies. They now, okay. I'm not going to come out there and say. Are you saying you're dreamy, Andrew? Are you trying to say you're dreamy? <laughs> I'm trying to. Well, I already know well, that you, I'm dreamy. Yeah, I know you are. What I, I'm I trying to say. Are. What I'm trying to say is, I think guys discussing Harry Potter turn girls is on. more of interest to girls than girls listening to girls discuss. Maybe I'm completely wrong because there's no really all girl podcast. So well, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 the point that you're making, though, is interesting because all you have to do is look at the amount of hate mail that Laurel, Laura That's gets. That's true, too. You know, that 
strengthens your point. But I think there's also appeal, you know, to to guys to go see the Harry Potter movies because you have Emma Watson, you have Clemens Posey. Oh, oh, man, Clemens. She's so hot. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> oh, Eric. God, you had to mention her, Micah. I mean, wow. Okay. No, but you're right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we've all handled Laura's hate mail, right? I mean, we've all... Well, hold on. Wait a stalk. second. Wait a second. I mean, come Laura's on. not going to appreciate this. She doesn't get that much hate mail. Well, we're talking she, about from girls who don't want to hear right. other she girls. Gets, she gets hate mail from girls on occasion, and we think it's just because she's a girl. And no, the, the, yeah. our theory is, we've never really said this on the show before, but our theory is that the girls send in hate mail to Laura because she's a girl and they want to be on the show talking to us. Well, not yeah, Laura. or they don't, or maybe you're right, Andrew, when you first said, you know, that girls don't really want to hear exactly what other girls have to say as much as they might want to hear what other guys have to say about something they love. That might be the whole kind of psychology behind a fangirl movement, too. I don't know. Yeah. Well, hey, um,. I'm sure listeners have some really good ideas about why more girls listen. I'm sure some girls would like to get their opinion in on it because, you know, that that's kind of important, yeah. too, in this discussion. So send oh, in your emails, <laughs> maybe send in a couple of voicemails, and we'll address them It's just next interesting, week. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, what Mikey was saying before, the, the technical side of it, too, because, I mean, that's really why I got involved with this thing was because, hey, they're doing a podcast, and it's kind of like a – you know, it's kind of like a radio. It is a radio, it is radio. show. I mean, And, it, Mikey, you used to do radio, so – yeah, so I'm like, you know what, this is cool. I, At the time, I had just, I think, finished reading the fifth book, and or at the time it was the sixth book, but, you know, I had read the all five others the previous summer, so it wasn't like something that I had been involved in since the series had started, so. Yeah, and, yeah but. It, and honestly? And that's how I got into it, too. You know, you guys were impressed with my uh, knowledge of, you know, technical stuff and me working for a certain company, and. And they're like, could you do a podcast? You know, if we need someone in, I'm like, yeah, not a problem. And sure enough, I came back multiple times. And extending on that technical idea, I'll be honest, I love radio more than I do Harry Potter. But I'm really passionate about radio. It's what I want to do in the Same future. Thing with me and film. I don't want to do Harry Potter in the future. That's just weird. <laughs> but I mean that in the literal sense. <laughs> Take it the way you want. <laughs> but I, Andrew, I want to want to do Harry Potter. I want to do. I don't want to do Harry Potter. I'm sorry. I don't want to do Harry Potter. Not I'm now. Sorry, not Harry. five years ago, and not in the future. Never did. Never will. He's just not my type. But um, radio is my type. He's not cuddly <laughs> so, enough. So um, I yeah I do I do the Mugglecast. I do love Mugglecast for the radio aspect. I do love Harry Potter. I do love the fans. I love talking to Harry Potter fans. This is like the but most love... thought-provoking voicemail ever. <laughs> I it know. is. Well, let's, let's uh, move let's, on. Let's move on. Seriously, So guys. there will I be more it, discussion but... next week, I'm sure. Final voicemail for today. Hey, MuggleCast. This is Brittany. I was wondering if you're planning on going to Infinitus 2010 in Orlando, Florida. I've never been to a conference or convention because no one I know is interested in going. If you go alone, is it still worth it? And I don't want to go and be by myself the whole time because that would be sad. And also, do you need to stay at a hotel because I live in Orlando? All right, you guys are awesome. Bye. This poor girl, she wants to go to a Harry Potter conference in, in Phineas. It's going to be right around the time when the theme park is opening. And she wants to know, can she go by herself? I did. My, <laughs> Mikey did. How old, Mikey, how old will she be? Oh, she didn't, she didn't Why do you want to know that? 
No, no, no. I'm just saying. Oh, Michael, why? That was... Well, look, there are serious say? restrictions because if she's young enough, she will need a chaperone. But otherwise, oh, that's true. you know. All right. And, yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, Jeez, it's man. one of those things where I'm, you know, all of us here on MogoCast are completely approachable. You know, I just went up to Andrew and said, hey, you're Andrew Sims. And I saw Eric walking around in his costume at, uh, in his wizard costume at, 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 at Lumos. I have, I have a picture with Eric, you know. I was like, hey, can I get a picture with you? Dude, I have a full costume too, man. It's a uniform. I have my, my, it's, it's not I a have co- my, I have my. All right, I, hey, dude, Eric, Eric. I not only have the robe, but I also have a cloak, also, and I have like four sweaters. I know, I'm all about it too. So is so, it a costume yes. or a uniform? It, it, it's it's an outfit. It's an outfit. It's my it's my clothes. It's my clothes. It's my it's my wizard clothes. So it, it's one of those things where it's definitely okay to go by yourself. But again, I went with the mindset of I'm gonna be open. I'm gonna make friends. I'm gonna have fun. And if all else fails, you know whatever i'm in vegas for you yeah. you live in orlando go you know it's gonna be you know the it does cost like 180 bucks usually for like the pass for the days and all that you know you spend the money and if you absolutely hate it the first day second day don't go you live there in orlando but truthfully you know i don't i can't say for sure because that's a long way ahead whether i'll be there or not depending on work and different things but all of us are approachable we all love harry potter it's one of those things it's a gathering of people to have like you know right <laughs> We all like I Harry will Potter. Say, Go like, hey, do you like Harry Potter? And you can talk, start a conversation. It's not hard. Ex- exactly. You don't, you don't need a hotel to answer the second part of her question, for starters. I mean, especially if you live there, you could just drive there each day. I mean, but then you're paying for parking. That might add up. Um, <laughs> uh, and then does. again, well, I guess your parents could drop you off to the hotel. Yeah, well, you will make friends at the Harry Potter conference, yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely. You enter this world. You enter this Harry Potter fandom crazy world. You will guaranteed meet so many new people and you will meet people that I will bet will become lifelong friends. And I'm not kidding. I mean, we've all made lifelong friends through Harry Potter. And I think anyone who goes to these conferences has lifelong friends through Harry Potter. And it's thanks to these conferences. Now, exactly. So. Now, uh, my advice would be uh, the, okay, look, this is uh Infinitus is an HPF uh, event. Is it not? Yes. Uh, so what they have, and this is this is completely my advice, is they have forums. They have discussion forums. They yeah, have exactly this sort of thing where if you can, uh, if you, if you join or you sign up, I don't even know if you have to to be in the forums, but you meet people, and that's exactly what you do. You you say, you know, here I am, and uh, I'm I'm you know so and so, and I really enjoy Harry Potter. I'll be going to Infinitus, and you meet people through the boards. Now this can be done months before, months before Infinitus, you can meet people online and. What will happen is they do this so that eventually, I mean, people could could uh, be roommates. You know, you find potential uh, roommates if it is an odd number of you or if you were the only one going. And you find uh, all these, you know, sort of Harry Potter friends uh, through yeah. the fandom, through the internet that you're uh, going to then meet up with in, uh, in thing. And, and, and I mean, living in, uh, living in Orlando, <laughs> you might meet some people who want to use you and crash at your place. <laughs> be aware right. of this. Any, but- <laughs> any wizard rock band would like a free, you know, <laughs> so they might want to crash at your place. Do not let them unless you trust them. Because this recording is really long. We need to wrap this up. Okay, but basically but, um, my advice is you can meet people through the forums months ahead of time, and I think it's a brilliant way to do it. And I, I wouldn't be too terribly worried um, about none of your other friends wanting to go. You could try and convince them, but you could also find there's so many other nice people out there in this fandom. Truthfully, you'll probably have more fun if you go alone than with one of your friends because what's going to happen is they're probably not going to want to be there and they would drag you down in the sense that they don't want to hang out with all the Harry Potter people, don't want to go to the different things. Right. Um, Go and and have fun. You know what I mean? HPEF.net is actually their website and they have forums there. You can just click on Infinius 
right there. And um, it doesn't look like the forum is too active right now, but hey, if you post, you never know. Yeah. Someone will bite. Things two years away. Uh, we just had one more piece of news we wanted to uh, bring up really quickly before we finish the show tonight. Um, it's actually the news came out about a couple hours ago uh, before um, we started recording, and that was that Dame Maggie Smith is battling breast cancer. So, uh, of course, we just want you know, to send our best wishes out to Maggie and her family. Definitely, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. But um, in in the interview, um, she said that she insisted on filming her scenes, even though she was still going through chemotherapy. So, yeah, that's she, that's something. Her her radiation therapy. Sorry. Yeah. So. Well, she has such a good role in 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 the book. She she's really a good actress, and she's really devoted to it. And you know, our hearts go out to her. But I mean, I I really respect. That she still wants to, you know, wants to do her scenes and stuff in the movie as long as she can. That's really great of her. Yeah, well, well said, Eric. Hey, Micah, if someone wants to send in parcel mail, do you know where they send that? Yeah, it goes to uh, P.O. Box 3151, Cumming, Georgia. Uh, is it 30028? It is. Uh, if you- I remembered, finally. Yay. Got it. <laughs> you can also- I'm not even looking at that website. That you are right I'm now. Laura's mom. If you want to be featured in an upcoming episode of MuggleCast through a voicemail, we have uh, a couple phone numbers you might want to know. If you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic. If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial zero two zero eight one double four zero six double seven. And if you're in Australia, you can dial zero two eight double three five double six eight. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. No matter how you call us, just remember to keep your message under sixty seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible, please. You can also visit the MuggleCast website for a contact feedback form to contact any one of us, or you can use our first name at staff.mugglenets.com. Don't forget to visit MuggleCast.com for a variety of community outlets as well, including our MySpace, our Facebook, our YouTube, our Frapper, our Last Event, our Fan Listing Forums, and take the show at com and vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. So I think that's about hey, it. Next week we'll do a better job of explaining all these community outlets. I know we did it on the lost episode a little bit, but uh, well, I mean, we have all these things, and sometimes people don't know what so they are. Yeah. What is this lost episode? When did you guys do this? It's we recorded it for the Jim Dale episode, but then we decided um, it didn't. It lacked Claire. goodness, wow. and it, we just I just decided that that episode should focus just on Jim Dale and nothing else. Oh, cool! But um, that episode will probably uh, be released to pickle pants. P- p- pickle pants. Pickle Pack fans pickle sometime pants. in the near future. <laughs> now, Pickle but, Pack um, is ending within a the, month or two. Yeah, it's ending soon. Yeah. It's coming to an end. I haven't done it in three weeks. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do need to get on that, and I will. All right, well, that does do it for this week's episode of MuggleCast. Uh, apologies to J.K. Rowling, but we are out of time. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Mike Tantamel. And I'm Mikey B. We'll see everyone next week for episode 139. Maybe J.K. Rowling will be on that one. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, there we go. All right. Sorry. I was like I was like waiting for Eric and I didn't hear it at all. Oh uh, yeah. It's all right. Um all right. So uh Micah, you're you're next here. Play this place. I haven't tested Andrew. <laughs> oh, this is a great song, by the way, and I really think I that it fits. So. The somber it's tone. To be playing. Yeah, I you know. I think I can help you out with this one right now, Micah. I see this, you know, okay. at the <laughs> end of the movie when the lights on the theater go back <laughs> on. <laughs> you Hold know, uh, this, this was when I stopped reading the, or when I was done with the book. This is the song that played. Well, no, see, then I heard crickets because it was just like, what do I do now? <laughs> it was like, what am I going to do now with my life? <laughs> this audio yeah. file is straight up empty. Um, hold on, I'll, I'll just load it up in uh, iTunes real quick. Hold on. Oh, yeah. That was going to be a preview. Who cares it's all right, it's 30 preview. seconds is all we need. Yeah. Andrew Sims. Good old iTunes. I should have tested it. Wait, an- an- Andrew, I have a question. How did you purchase it from iTunes if it's empty? Uh, right. Hold oh, right quit on. trying to back him into a corner. <laughs> oh, and he doesn't pay for anything. Oh. 